You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. I saw all the, oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, Brady PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramount+. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hello, Managemental Podcast listeners. The Modern Vinyl Podcast combines the colorful conversations overheard at your neighborhood record store with insightful criticism that goes beyond the surface noise. You can find the Modern Vinyl Podcast on your favorite podcast app by searching for Modern Vinyl Podcast. Or you can find them at JabberjawMedia.com. Upcoming episodes include interviews with the likes of Jay Som of Plumtree, along with discussions on the Vagrant Records catalog, the Modern Vinyl Annual Record Store Day Award Show, and the conclusion of their revisiting of the Smith series. Please head over to JabberjawMedia.com to find out more about Modern Vinyl and all of the other great shows within the network. Are you looking for a new set of scrims or a backdrop for your live show? What about merch flags to have at your merch table or online store? Artistflags.com has the lowest pricing and the best quality around. Their prices start at $119 and they can work with you to keep your budget in mind while helping you choose the best material and sizes for your band. Use the coupon code MENTALFLAG to get $30 off your next order. I've personally used them to get flags for Darkest Hour, scrims for Lorna Shore, and many other artists in recent years. So thank you to artistflags.com. So head on over and use the coupon code MENTALFLAG, M-E-N-T-A-L-F-L-A-G, for $30 off your next order. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Managemental Podcast, a weekly discussion on hot topics in the music biz for the up-and-comers, the brand newbies, the beginners, and aspiring rock stars of tomorrow. The struggle is real, my friends, but let us help you uncover some of the mystery that is this challenging business of rock and roll. I am your host. Mr. Blasco, and I am excited to be here today. As always, I am joined by my good friend, the co-host from the other coast, a record label owner, fellow artist manager, and opening day attendee, Mr. Mike Mowry. I don't always ball, but when I ball, I ball hard, and I try to do it on opening day, mofos. Hello. Yeah, what a treat that was. Beautiful weather. Got a last-minute invite from a good friend and music business attorney. Couldn't say no. Even did one conference call while at the game. In our last episode, we talked about crowdfunding your album. It was a sweet episode, so check it out if you haven't already. This week, we received an email from one of our listeners, Jason Buggle. Based on his suggestion, I thought it would be cool to dig into the subject of VIP meet-and-greet packages and specifically if they are a good idea. 
This is going to be radical, so let's get mental. So, Mike, how about those Nationals? I got to say, it was a real treat to attend the game. They actually won. You know, it's so interesting how things happen. As I said a minute ago, a music business attorney, friend of mine, emailed a few of us the night before and said, hey, I got an extra ticket. Can anybody attend? I looked at my schedule and said I probably shouldn't, but what the fuck? How many more times am I going to, you know, get invited to opening day? So I moved a bunch of things around and made it work. And the other gentleman who was attending, so it was my buddy John, uh, his wife, and then another guy, he teaches entrepreneurship at the same university where uh, my attorney friend teaches uh, entertainment. I think it's called, you know, he teaches more than music. He teaches, I think, in the in the business school, teaches something on entertainment, and I've gone and guest lectured there a few times. I hit it off with the guy who teaches entrepreneurship, you know, told him about a bunch of the other things that I got cooking, and, you know, it was wild to hear his story, and, you know, now we're having lunch. So it turned into a, a great networking opportunity for me as well, which I was just expecting to get a picture with the Nats mascot. <laughs> which you got, which we're going to have to post. So, but on that topic of getting a photo with the mascot, who are you? Are you a sports guy? Like who's your favorite athlete? You know, I grew up like loving sports and it's so funny because I remember when I was probably like 11 or 12, every morning I would get the paper the the local newspaper and turn to the sports section. It was the only thing I read and I would like look at the box scores and look at who hit the most home runs and whatever else. I knew the stats. I knew it all. And it was insane. And I remember my mom telling me, she's like, oh, yeah, your Uncle John, he used to be like that. And I never thought of my Uncle John as a sports guy. I mean, I knew he liked sports, but I never thought of him as a stats guy or anything. And I was like, man, that's so crazy. I can't imagine how you could be so into it and then never be into it later. And now that I'm an adult and have a million other things that I need to prioritize ahead of that, I don't pay attention to any of it you know, <laughs> yeah. on a day-by-day basis. I really like, eh, but you know, baseball, it's fun to go to opening day and it's kind of fun to go and, you know, have a few beers and chat with friends. But baseball is one of my least favorite ones until it gets down to like the World Series. Um, I did watch the college basketball final the other night. So in general, yes, I'm a sports fan. What about yourself? I know you, I know you got Clippers. You, you see the Clippers often. What about the Dodgers? Uh, nope, don't do that. Yeah, I mean, Kings would be rad. I've, I've gone to some Kings games, so that's cool. Back in the day, though, like when you were a stats guy, who who was your guy? Who was your, who was your favorite guy? Who was your favorite baseball guy? Damn, that's a great question. I mean, early 80s, there was a dude that played for the Atlanta Braves called Dale Murphy. And the Braves sucked back then, but my family had ties to the Georgia-Atlanta um, region, and so I grew up a Braves fan. I think that was my guy. I mean, it's funny. I can't even remember all my guys. <laughs> I'm sure there were yeah. more. <laughs> but but <laughs> so like but so at that at that age, he was your guy. If you had the opportunity to meet him, have him sign a baseball and get a photo with him, would you have paid for that experience? Absolutely. I mean, 
I actually remember, again, my, my Uncle John, who I referenced a minute ago, he turned out to be a big deal in business. And he actually, he lived all over the place with his family, but at one point lived in Atlanta and knew that I was a big fan of the Braves. And I guess he knew the owner or knew, you know, he knew somebody who knew somebody, which to me was just like, oh my God, how do you even know anybody, you know, associated with that? And he got me a signed baseball by all of the Braves from that year and I remember Joe Torrey uh, who later went on I think and coached for the Yankees and was like a pretty big deal was coaching for the Braves and got me an autograph you know headshot of him and I was blown away you know I would have absolutely you know I didn't have any money but I would have begged to get any of that stuff to meet those guys the signatures were cool but meeting them would have been such an amazing opportunity and experience yeah, I mean, I asked because the topic of today is VIP meet and greet packages, and it's you know it's a it's a polarizing subject for a lot of people. In brief, for those that don't know, a VIP package is sold in addition to a show ticket and includes a number of perks. These packages have become almost somewhat of a necessity to assist in reducing expenses of touring while providing an additional stream of income to the bands. Today's episode was inspired by one of our loyal listeners, Jason Buggle. He writes, love the podcast, was wondering if you could spend some time discussing VIP meet and greet packages bands have on tour. Pros and cons, artists who embrace it, and others that do not. Thanks. So let's get into this. Mike, do you offer VIP packages for the bands you work with? Absolutely. All of them who we feel are able to provide an additional value so meaning you know they've got to have they've got to be of a certain stature to be able to command something that they would feel comfortable with again giving more of a value for you know this opportunity and and the reason why I keep saying the word value is you know I think when it f- when these first started popping up and again you and I work with you know bands that come from DIY backgrounds punk rock backgrounds hardcore backgrounds metal backgrounds indie backgrounds you know it was such a frowned upon experience or thing and and a lot of the artists didn't want to offer it because you know, they're like, well, we're going to go out and hang at our merch table or do, you know, something in the crowd, meet us at our van, bus, whatever, and we would never charge for that. But to me, the difference is you're not just charging to to meet the person. I don't think anybody that offers these sees it that way. They see it as the opportunity to not only meet them and ensure that you meet them as opposed to camping out at their bus or merch table or whatever, but also get something else from it, whether it be limited merchandise, you know, opportunity to buy merchandise first, sign picture, limited poster, you know, you name it, the sky's the limit on what you can offer. And that's the value that I'm talking about. Yeah, man. I mean, look, it's an experience for the, for the fan. And, you know, it really comes down to, how well the experience is executed. I mean, you you know, it, it's like in terms of bad mouthing this, right? Like, if it's a good experience, like I mean, with with like Zach, I mean, dude, he brings like a backdrop, and there's like, you know, I mean, it's like a production, man, and like everyone, you know, gets a hug and, and gets a photograph and gets stuff signed, and and like, you know, what I mean, like it's 
it's a good experience. Everyone walks away from these meet and greets going like, man, that was great. I was so stoked. I got a picture with him and whatever. But then, then you hear horror stories of like things like five seconds of not five seconds of summer. Um, uh, five finger 20, death punch. No, no. Tw- what's twenty five pilots? <laughs> yeah. No. Um. Uh, God, I can't remember. F- Fifty two card pickup. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um. No, it's like. Some other band that with the actor guy in it, but um, oh, Jared Leto, Thirty Seconds to Mars. Thirty Seconds to Mars, that's the one. And like you, you know, like I've heard horror stories of that where like the bands all have like white gloves on and they're all sitting down and it's very sterile and like the photo is only a group photo and not an individual photo, you know. So in my opinion, it comes down to the experience that you're offering, and if you're offering a, a shitty experience just to cash in then I do think that's lame. If you understand that why these exist is because the fans want it, right? Like if fans didn't want it, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. If people, if we put these things up for sale and no one bought them, then obviously this isn't even a subject worth talking about. But people do buy them. And and I believe that, that some of the negativity maybe that comes with it is bands that put forth a you know, a negative experience for, you know, what the cost is, you know, maybe, maybe those don't balance out. Right. Yeah. I mean, I agree. And it's interesting, you know, we did cover crowdfunding in the last episode, which if you haven't listened to, please do go check that out because I feel like we did a great job with that one. And it, and it's very much, you know, both of these things kind of came around at the same time and it's where the industry started to really streaming well, pirating was existing. Bands weren't seeing as much money, you know, from, you know, the traditional royalties and they were, they were looking for additional revenue streams and there were some pretty, you know, smart companies that popped up and, and were able to offer not only crowd funds, which again, we covered last time, but also VIP meet and greets. And it, it was sort of the same psychology. It really does. It just takes a bit of a shift in the artist heads because you're right. It's not the fans who are balking at it. They're obviously supporting crowdfunded things and they're obviously supporting VIP things. No, it's not for everyone. And in fact, there's plenty of people that don't ever want to meet their idols, just as there's plenty of people that are, would gladly go and watch sports games like you talked about you know, early on and could care less about meeting the players. That's sort of where I am at this stage in my life. I could care less to meet any player of a sports team or really any musician because frankly i've sort of been there and done that but i've watched you know artists who do this even some of them you know last episode we talked a lot about darkest hour because they just had their great crowdfund campaign but then they went out on a tour and we offered a vip package and you know they didn't push it super hard i think they were still you know they were pushing a lot of stuff out there and i felt like internally they felt like it was a little bit of overkill but lo and behold after the first show you know right here in dc black cat mike from the band comes up to me he's like dude you know we had a handful of people that bought the vip meet and greet and they freaking loved it you know they just they got an experience that they weren't gonna get any other way and because it was a relatively small number they were able to accommodate a little bit more you know they were able to like i think even bring them backstage and I know when we've done it with Refused, and Refused is interesting because they just donate all of the proceeds they make for VIP to charity, but they know that fans want to do this, and they do it after the show, and I remember last year when they were on tour headlining with, um, uh, what was a fucking band, White, I'll have to remember, I can't remember, but Plague Vendor was on the tour, and we're hanging out in Austin at the Mohawk, you know, 900 cap room, and afterwards, 
the dressing room is just slammed with people, but everybody's hanging out, chilling, joking, drinking, doing whatever. And they, you know, it gave fans an experience like, like no other. So those are kind of exceptions to the rule. You know, not many of these are offering backstage access. You know, many of them and the ones that we have done on the front end, again, we try to make sure, you know, if I've got a band who's really into gear, we've done gear rundowns or, you know, come and listen and watch Soundcheck because these are experiences that, you know, you and I and the artists themselves, I mean, we do it all the time. There's nothing new and interesting about it. But if, you know, if you're somebody that's never gotten to watch a Soundcheck, Sure, some of them are really boring, but some of them are interesting, you know? Artists practice songs, work on new material, do all kinds of interesting things at their sound checks, and that can be a really cool, unique experience. Yeah, I saw some article that I believe AP had posted from, you know, one of those old school, you know, punk rock guys that was kind of dissing the, the whole thing and like, who wants to watch a band sound check or whatever? And I was like, fuck you, man. Like, if I had the opportunity to watch Black Sabbath sound check in 1975, I don't care what it would have cost. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's, a, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I get it. Like, it's it's not the most exciting thing. And maybe the dudes are hung over. Maybe the singer ain't singing or whatever. But fuck that, man. That's an experience that the other 10,000 people that are going to be in the arena later aren't getting. Completely. And even if it's just, you know, and again, that's where when I go into this with my artists, you know, we really discuss what we're offering, what the price point is. And in fact, you know, when Ice Nine Kills did one last year, I then surveyed all of our fans. And I'll tell you exactly why. Alternative Press came in and it wasn't their tour, but they ended up being a presenting sponsor. In exchange for that, we worked out a deal where every VIP package, the fan would get a subscription to AP. Now, of course, AP has costs associated with that, so we had to build that into our package costs. You know, we had to add a $10 value, a cost of goods, essentially, and that's all we did. We did it was just a pass-through. We didn't make any money on the alternative press side of subscriptions. But what I did is I was very curious how much that affected the value of what we were doing because I was trying to figure out for Ice Nine Kills whether or not we could actually push their pricing up for future VIP packages, therefore make more money. And it was really interesting. I mean, 90 plus percent of the people were like, yeah, I mean, we don't, I would have paid this exact same amount with or without the alternative press subscription. So again, it's, you know, we focus a lot on the value. And, and I do think that's what's helpful for utilizing one of the many companies you know that are out there because just as you and i have experience with you know things because we do them all day every day i'm always asking my preferred partners in the vip world what's working right now what is the the new hot thing that fans are actually thinking you know is a value add Right. I did a little uh, research um, for this episode, and I, I found uh, a couple quotes from some guys in the uh, in the biz. So um, Overkill, Overkill's Bobby Blitz had this to say about VIP meet and greets. He said, but when it comes to a VIP package, I think you have to understand that in the modern era, businesses have to be reinvented. And that reinvention comes primarily from the technology we possess that there are just less sales of records and this is just a fact 
and Devin Townsend kind of reiterates that, and he says, "Look, a lot of a lot of the times, fans may think bands are taking the piss by simply doing a meet and greet, but if we don't do them, we simply can't do what we're doing." Real quick, did Devin all of a sudden become fucking British because he spends so much time headlining massive rooms over there? <laughs> like, I get that he's got a British manager, but come on, Dev, you're Canadian. You should have at least said a once in that episode. <laughs> or, or sorry, that. in in that quote, <laughs> <laughs> not taking the piss. <laughs> but yeah, but what what these guys are getting at is it's like, look, man, it's it's getting tough out there, and 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 as one stream of income dries up. You got to replace that with something else. And, you know, this is potentially one of those things, right? Yeah, I mean, it's funny to me because, in a sense, it's almost like we're looking for this justification of, oh, my God, I've got to now justify something that, frankly, I think is a legitimate thing regardless of whether bands are making monies on selling their albums or not you know it's not like this is a new invention massive artists have had fan clubs for years and that have probably allowed people to do certain things like this it just i really like bobby uh from overkill's quote i mean it's like yes it's a different business you do have to reinvent those of us that manage bands, that are involved with bands, that are in bands, that are consistently looking at how the landscape changes and being able to adjust and pivot are going to stay relevant. But again, like I don't think we need to be justifying why we're generating a new stream of income. What's wrong with a business identifying a new stream even if the older one already exists, you know, still exists? That's, that's what's kind of baffling me about this. Well, on the flip side, Jason Newstead, formerly of Metallica, said uh, this. I don't feel comfortable with charging people to meet me. I don't feel comfortable with charging people to get me to sign something when they are standing with me. I just don't feel that's right. Yeah, I mean, listen, Mr. Newstead is in a privileged position of, you know, being at the top of the sound scan charts for the last, you know, month because his company or the company he keeps and Warner Brothers has figured out a fantastic way to ensure that album sales are included with their ticket sales. And, you know, that's sort of the specifics, but the the larger thing is, you know, he's rich and his business is is firing on all cylinders. They might be drinking a different year or label of champagne, but those motherfuckers are still drinking champagne yep. each and every day. You know, we're talking about bands you know that have that have been beer drinking bands, and if you start to to serve them light beer, they'll drink enough of it and still get drunk. Um, that's you know the the music model and the music business that we're talking about today. If you're a champagne band and then you're forced to drink beer, you're kind of up shit's creek without a paddle. But you might look at things a little bit differently. You know, and Metallica is a champagne band that's still a champagne band. It's just maybe they're drinking something a little bit differently. Um, yeah, I mean, look, pers- personally, as as a manager of bands, I do not have an issue with providing the opportunity for my bands to sell these packages. Because once again, if no one was buying them, then this isn't a conversation. But I feel like my job is, since kids are interested in, in pay- paying for them, my job is to make sure that that experience is as awesome for them as possible. That their that their expectations are exceeded, and they get they get everything that they 
are expecting to get and more, right? And then as a as a consumer, look, I don't have a problem with it. If I wanna if I wanna pay to meet a band and get a photo with them or whatever, like, man, I'll I'll do it. Like, you know, I mean, I don't do it very often, but if the opportunity is there and I don't have an opportunity otherwise, I would gladly do that in, you know, within reason, right? I mean, I was reading, like, um, once again, doing some research for this, man, I was reading some, like, you know, like some of these high end, like pop stars of like what they charge. And there was like one that was upwards of like $10,000 and didn't even include the ticket to the show. And then like, you and then like, then like the Avril Lavigne one, I guess was like super hilarious because you couldn't talk to her. So all the photos, the people are like two feet away from her. Like, in, <laughs> well, I, I mean, I will say this, you bring up two interesting points. And one that I was going to talk about earlier is, you know, inclusive of ticket or, or exclusive of ticket. And the other I was going to talk about, and we'll tackle this one first, this is an additional responsibility on the artist and those who do take it seriously. It's it's extra work. It is. And it's kind of easy to sit here and joke, you know, about guys wearing gloves and Avril Lavigne, people standing two feet away. But there are artists who are more prone to illness, who you know, frankly, when they're shaking 50 different people's hands a day and people coming in for awkward hugs, they end up sick. You know, I've had artists where I know they can pull off something amazing like an acoustic performance that's included because that always goes over well with a lot of the bands that can do that. But I've had singers say, like, I can't, I can't get my voice ready, you know, to do this by four in the afternoon and have it be ready again at 10 p.m. and do that day in and day out so this sounds great i can do acoustic tours all day long but you can't double tax me here you know again this is extra work that the artists are having to do i don't think that that should be you know glossed over i don't know what your take is on that yes in in the context where it is it definitely takes time now there there was packages and once again like look that it's as long as the artist is communicating to the fan what exactly they're getting so that there's no surprises right so like the guns and roses one like you never even met or saw the band like you got you know what i mean like you got no one-on-one attention from that band and those meet and greets or i don't know what you call it if it's not you know what i mean it's just the vip package but you don't actually meet or greet the band but those were going for like 2500 bucks a pop and they all sold right so no one really complained i mean people complain because they're like this is bullshit or whatever but the people that bought it didn't complain because they knew what they were getting so yes in the event where it is actually work and the band is actually showing up then yes you have to take that into consideration that they are taking the time out of their day to do this but in the event like a guns and roses thing there was no work involved with that because they didn't do anything you know if people if they're creating something limited or something that you can only get by doing this i mean that's you know people pay for access all the time you know the other thing that i want to chat about and and when when I was managing We Came as Romans and they were on a tear, you know, right when they were first starting to take off, we utilized the company, I don't even remember what it was, and we did only VIP upgrades. So the upgrade is when it does not include a ticket. And there are some advantages to doing this on an artist's end and some disadvantages. The advantages are when you do include a ticket, so it's not just an upgrade, it's a you know, it's the VIP meet and greet plus the ticket, you have to close out the sales early enough 
usually about a week out from the date because the VIP company has to be able to send the money to the promoter who's promoting the show so they can account for that ticket income. There are some exceptions to those rules, but that's generally how it works. And with many of the artists that you know we handle, so many of the sales happen a day out, two days out, at most a week out. There are some that you know jump on it very early, especially if it's limited and you have the artists you know kind of popping. But in the case of We Came as Romans, when we did the upgrades, people, and this is again a, a number of years ago before this was kind of the norm, meaning VIPs were the norm and people really understood what was happening. People just assumed they were getting a ticket. They didn't read the fine print. They didn't do any of that. So we had these situations where you had kids that had bought the VIP, would show up to the show, the show was sold out, and they didn't have a ticket to go to see the show. <laughs> Yeah, that's a bummer. Nowadays, you know, we do account for that and accommodate for that in the sense that, you know, again, if we treat it as just an upgrade, then the only money that's changing hands is between the VIP company itself and the artist. And therefore, you don't have to worry about this promoter. So you can keep it open until, frankly, the day of the show if you want. So that's kind of kind of interesting in my in my mind. Yep. So in summary, Mike, are you for or against VIP meet and greets as a uh, manager as well as a fan? I am 100% for them as a manager. As far as a fan is concerned, I'm happy that they exist. I, you know, it would take a lot and a whole hell of a lot for me to, I live a relatively privileged life, you know, I get invited to opening day games on a whim. I'm going to see the Capitals and the Rangers tonight. Like, I don't necessarily feel like there's anything that I need to go and spend a bit of extra money on to meet someone because I've met a lot of people. But that said, I'm do I am very happy that they exist, and I do reserve the right to change my mind that if somebody that I really like and respect makes themselves available, that I might go and and pay. How about yourself? Yep, I back it uh, as a manager and uh, as a fan. Uh, I'm with you in that you know I'm fortunate in what I do and that I've you know met a lot of people that I maybe would have paid you know like I would have paid for an Ozzy Osbourne meet and greet. Luckily, I'm in a band with them, so you know I don't <laughs> I don't have to. Well, but, exactly. uh, yeah, <laughs> you you win on that one, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, that's my take, man. Thanks for tuning in. We will be back here next week. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Blasco1313. We encourage you to email us any questions or comments you may have for the podcast to me directly at askblasco at gmail.com. Because, hey, people, we do this show for you. Consider it a tool for understanding this ever so challenging and confusing business of music. If you have listened this far, much respect to you for making efforts to educate yourselves and taking your future into your own hands. Mike, any final parting thoughts? Yeah, I mean, on this one in particular, because it's a relatively, you know, debated topic, it was nice for for the the gentleman who sent us the email to to have us discuss it. We want to hear from you. You know, what are your guys' experiences? We, of course, think that it's been something positive, but if you've experienced something that 
wasn't very positive or if you've got questions, concerns, or complaints about VIP or any of the other things we've touched on in other episodes, you know, do hit us up at, at the askblasco at gmail.com. Uh, for everyone else, you know, rate and review us on iTunes. Tell a friend about our show. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike O'Loop. And last but not least, we are closing in on my Outer Loop coaching course, 60 Days to Signable. The signups are up, and this is going to run Wednesdays from April 19th to June 7th at 8 p.m. Eastern. Space is limited, and we are really closing in on the last few spaces. If you're serious about your bands or your personal success, there is no time like the present. Visit signup.com outerloopcoaching.com for more information. Blasco, as always, I will thank you for finding interesting topics for you and I to cover. Once again, this is a really fun one. Um, so much appreciated, brother. Yes, sir. Alrighty. Peace. Thanks, everybody. Are you interested in what it takes to get the attention of record labels, managers, and other industry professionals who can help your band grow? Let me, Mike Mowry, the CEO of Outer Loop, guide this incredibly challenging journey for you. For the first time ever, I am opening up my extensive experience and knowledge base to aspiring musicians in an educational capacity. 60 Days to Signable is the course, which will run Wednesday evenings from April 19th to June 7th at 8 p.m. Eastern. Space is limited, and we expect this to sell out quickly. If you're serious about your bands or personal success, there is no time like the present. Visit OuterLoopCoaching.com slash sign up for all the information that you need. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Hey, this is Scott from Fly on the Call. Each week I speak to a different musician, whether they're in an established band like Silverstein or The Wonder Years, or a band on the rise like Spanish Love Songs, Origami Angel, or Meet Me at the Altar. We discuss music and lyrics, the successes and challenges of being in a band, and more, as we get to the core of each artist. The show features musicians of diverse genres and backgrounds, so there's always a chance I'll be talking to your new favorite band. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.